Chapter 4 of English Men of Science by Francis Galton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Leon Harvey. Chapter 4 Education. Preliminary Education, praised throughout or nearly so. Merits in Education. Merits and Demerits Balanced. Demerits. Summary. Conclusion. I now pass on to the education which the scientific men had in their youth, in the hope that my results may give assistance to those who are endeavouring to frame systems of education suitable to the wants of the day. What I have to say is very partial. It refers solely to the opinions the scientific men entertain of the merits and faults of their own several educations in bygone days. Their views are remarkably unanimous, considering the very different branches of inquiry they are interested in and the great dissimilarities in their education. One third of those who sent replies have been educated at Oxford or Cambridge, one third at Scotch, Irish or London universities, and the remaining third at no university at all. I am totally unable to decide which of the three groups occupies a higher scientific position. They seem to me very much alike in this respect. The questions to which the following replies were given were as follows. Was your education especially conductive to or restrictive of habits of observation? Was your education eminently conductive to health or the reverse? What do you consider to have been peculiar merits in your education? What were the chief omissions in it, and what faults of commission can you indicate? I also asked for information concerning the places of education, both schools and colleges, and as regards home and self-instruction. The answers were, in some cases, very interesting from their minute elaboration, but I am of course restricted on this occasion to a simple treatment of them. I cannot now paint with delicate tints, but must content myself with broad lights and shades. The following answers are extracts, and in some few cases abstracts. They convey the general tone of the several replies as nearly as possible. The groups under which I have sorted them are these. Merits. Education praised throughout, or nearly so, 10 replies. Variety of subjects, 10 replies. A little science at school, 3 replies. Simple things well taught, three replies. Liberty and leisure, three replies. Home teaching and encouragement, eight replies. Merits and demerits balanced, four replies. Demerits. Narrow education, 32 replies. Want of system and bad teaching, 10 replies. Unclassed, four replies. Total, 87. There are a few cases in which an answer already given in combination, has been extracted and repeated. Merits. Education praised throughout, or nearly so, ten cases. 1. Was admirably taught, estimating 13 to 16 and a half, to reason, use my own mind or myself. Was taught to acquire large masses of information by reading. There was a little tendency to a vagrant style of reading, but this was probably neutralised by other influences. 2. Well taught in classics and mathematics. If possible, my education should have afforded facilities for the study of the science of observation, but I doubt the practicality of this at school. While a schoolboy, I taught myself botany, chemistry, etc., under great disadvantages. 3. Careful and good early education at home by my mother and father, then rather strict training by my father and by my first schoolmaster, being carefully looked after by my father and expected to do my best. 4. My education was well balanced. It was general and of a very complete kind. 
including chemistry, botany, logic, and political economy. By three years, estimating 12 to 15, spent in learning the Latin and Greek grammars were a blank waste of time. 5. Education including French, German, logic, natural philosophy, chemistry, besides mathematics. I lived in a house where I saw many people whose interests were of various kinds, and I went to a day school where I mixed with the boys only when they were fresh and active. Thus I had two outer worlds to balance against each other. On the whole I had, I think, the greatest degree of freedom possible to a boy. 6. Was at school till estimated 16, and with a tutor in Germany for six months, after then technical training and teaching. The education was conductive both to observation and health. Variety of subjects and attention to details. A combination of home and school education. My father having been headmaster at the school. 7. My father being a schoolmaster, I was at some sort of schoolwork nearly all my life, but from the age of twelve I was occupied more in teaching than in learning. My education included the various subjects usually taught in English schools with something of astronomy, pneumatics, electricity and mechanics. I learnt much in conversation with my father, which chiefly took an instructive form, which led to think and speak freely, also engaged frequently in domestic discussions on questions of general policy. I had also early access to tools and materials. 8. I was fortunate in obtaining at school, estimate 8 to 16, an insight into the phenomena of nature, a subject entirely ignored at that time in almost all schools. My peculiar bent for experiment was encouraged at home by my mother, and there were peculiar merits in my training under professors blank and blank, and especially in Germany under blank. 9. The steadiness with which I was taught by one eccentric schoolmaster, reading and accurate spelling, clear and neat, and intelligible writing, and quick and accurate computation by all the primary rules of arithmetic. Faults in these several branches were never overlooked, and all competition was for excellence in each. Latin and French were evidently thrown into pleased parents. Going to sea at the age of thirteen, I really think I started with the best education I could have had. Compared with my youthful messmates, some of whom had passed through public schools, I was far their superior in writing. I soon acquired chart drawing and sketching from nature and in calculation of the day's work, and in astronomical observations. Merits in Education Variety of Subjects Nine Replies 1. Not tied down to old courses of classics and mathematics. 2. My master, estimate 15 to 17, was a man of scientific and generally liberal turn of mind. 3. Sufficient groundwork in many subjects to avoid error. 4. Early introduced to many subjects of interest. 5. A well-balanced education, including chemistry, botany, logic, and political economy. 6. A variety of subjects and attention to details. Coming in contact with persons of every rank in Scotland and sitting on the same form with the sons of tradesmen and ploughmen, as well as of gentlemen. 7 and 8. Two cases, both being Englishmen. Praise Scotch system of education. 9. Living in a house where there were many interests and going thence to a day school where there were other and different ones. Merits in education. A little science at school. Three replies. 1. Only one good thing that was object lessons, though given badly and only for a short time. 2. All the merits of my schooling I attribute to a little elementary physics and chemistry taught me between the ages of 7 and 13. 3. Science taught me at school between the ages of 11 and 16. 
Merits in education, simple things well taught. Three replies. 1. Clear, neat, and intelligible writing, accurate spelling, and simple computation. 2. Was very well grounded in arithmetic at school. 3. Forced accuracy of delineation at home. Estimate 14 to 16. Merits in education, liberty, and leisure. Three replies. 1. Unusual degree of freedom. 2. Freedom to follow my own inclinations and choose my own subjects of study, or the reverse. 3. The great proportion of time left free to do as I liked, unwatched and uncontrolled. Merits in education, home teaching and home encouragement. 8. Replies. 1. Encouragement by my mother. 2. Encouragement by my father. 3. Carefully looked after by my father and expected to do my best. 4. C7. In education, praise throughout, or nearly so. 5. During one year, estimate 17, I resided and studied with my uncle, by marriage, and learnt there more of the dead languages than in all my school time. 6. My private education at home was much the more valuable. 7. Home and self-education developed my observing faculties. 8. Pretty much self-taught, but encouraged to use my eyes, wits, and independent thought. Merits and demerits in education balanced. Four replies. 1. Left to myself, I pursued a discursive line. As compared with ordinary schools, I think self-teaching has many advantages for boys of active mind, but intelligent teaching and insisting on accuracy and completeness would have produced a much more efficient man. 2. The merits of my education consisted in a great number of studies connected with nature, but there was a want of system and of consecutive study. 3. The demerit of my education was a want of being thoroughly grounded. This gave me great trouble, but made me think for myself, often an advantage to me. 4. No sound instruction. The education was too general and desultory, but it gave wide interest. Demerits. Narrow education. 32 cases. 1. No mathematics, nor modern languages, nor any habits of observation or reasoning. 2. Enormous time devoted to Latin and Greek, with which languages I am not conversant. 3. Omission of almost everything useful and good, except being taught to read. Latin, Latin, Latin. 4. Latin through Latin. Nonsense verses. 5. Limitation of subjects practically to classics. Absence of any scientific training, too much confined to classics. 7. Omission of mathematics, German and drawing. 8. Latin and Greek were more insisted on than modern languages. 9. In an otherwise well-balanced education, three years, estimate 12-15, at a private school were spent on Latin and Greek grammar, a blank waste of time. 10. Schoolwork directed to the cultivation of literary tastes only, and, therefore, not adapted to a variety of intellects. 11. Elements of natural science omitted. Nothing taught of the nature of the world around us. 12. Not taught mathematics, nor any natural science, to which I could have taken con amore. 13. Absence of instruction in the modern languages. 14. Want of the modern languages and of chemistry. 15. Want of logical and mathematical training. 16. Want of training in the habits of observation. 17. Neglect of mathematics, too much reliance on mere work of memory. Mental training overlooked in the mere acquisition of routine. 18. I could now wish that I had gone through at the university a good course of chemistry and physics as a preparation for the other branches, but the main obstacle was lack of time. 19. Want of education of faculties of observation. 
want of mathematics and of modern languages. 20. Not allowing my mind to follow its natural bias. 21. Neglect of many subjects for the attainment of one or two, not pushing mathematics to a useful end. 22. Not enough liberty, put back by too much grounding at Cambridge. 23. At school the classical education, viz. construing, parsing, and learning grammatical rules was not to my taste. At Oxford I wasted much time, having little sympathy with the university pursuits and habits. 24. Having so exclusively devoted myself to mathematics at Cambridge. 25. The classical teaching was said to be good, but I did not assimilate it. Perhaps my mental peculiarities and my special ineptitude to commit words to memory would have rendered most education, such as it was when I was a boy, ineffectual for much good. The main defect for me certainly was that precise verbal memory was the test of all knowledge. No doubt, in some things, such as languages, precise knowledge of words is essential, and therefore I refer to my own special defect in saying this. 26. My schoolwork was too predominantly classical, and nearly everything was taught on authority. 27. Persistence in giving me no holiday and overstraining my memory when I was very young. 28. My principal regret is that I was unable to pursue the study of mathematics. 29. Mathematics were not pushed far enough. Natural science was left to the boys themselves. 30. My boyhood was utterly wasted and the efforts of my manhood have not sufficed and never will suffice to repair the loss. 31. Omission of all subjects excepting the classics, but particularly faulty in the want of intellectual training. 32. A military man. The authority of a military education is prejudicial to the development of thought and education in matters of opinion. Demerits in education. Want of system and bad teaching. 10 cases. 1. Want of system. 2. Want of system. 3. Want of system. 4. Want of system, absence of necessary control. 5. Bad early masters, neglect at public school. 6. Essentially defective, no competition or supervision. 7. The very mistaken way in which languages, as it now seems to me, especially Latin and Greek, were taught. 8. Too much for memory, nothing for thought. 9. Want of thoroughness in early teaching. 10. Careless and superficial reading. Demerits in education. Unclassed. Four cases. 1. Brought up in an idle class and never realised the necessity of labour in acquirement. 2. Too much cramming for examinations. Too much isolated, being the youngest son and educated at home. 3. Two great changes in system, having been educated at five universities, three of which were Scotch, one London and one in Germany. 4. Being brought up at home was perhaps too much shut out from the company of other boys. Summary The scientific men on my list have very generally ascribed high merits to a varied education. They say, as we have just seen, not tied down to old courses of classics and mathematics, sufficient groundwork in many subjects to avoid error, a well-balanced education including chemistry, botany, logic and political economy. Coming in contact with persons of every rank and sitting in the same form in a Scotch school with the sons of tradesmen and ploughmen as well as gentlemen. In contrast to this, others who speak of the faults of their education say, No mathematics, nor modern languages, nor any habits of observation or reasoning, enormous time devoted to Latin and Greek with which languages I am not conversant. 
in an otherwise well-balanced education three years were spent on latin and greek grammar a blank waste of time neglect of many subjects for the attainment of one or two not pushing mathematics to a useful end evidence such as this fully establishes the advantage of a variety of study one group of men speak gratefully because they had it and another speak regretfully because they had it not i find none who had a reasonable variety who disapproved of it none who had a purely old-fashioned education who were satisfied with it the scientific men who came from the large public schools usually did nothing when there they could not assimilate the subjects taught and have abused the old system heartily there are several serious complaints about superficial and bad teaching which i need not quote afresh Overteaching is thoroughly objected to, thus in speaking of merits of education, I find freedom to follow my own inclinations and to choose my own subjects of study, or the reverse. The great proportion of time left free to do as I liked, unwatched and uncontrolled. Unusual degree of freedom. There is much scattered evidence throughout the replies to my questions generally, in addition to what I have extracted, which implies that this feeling is a very common one. There are many touching evidences of the strong effect of home encouragement and teaching. Of this I have already spoken, and need not dwell upon afresh. In corroboration of the conclusions stated in page 216 on the favourable influences of the Scotch system in developing a taste for science, I remark that in these replies a large proportion of the scientific men who have mentioned any merits in their education were educated in Scotland. As regards the subjects specially asked for, even by biologists, mathematics takes a prominent place. Two of my correspondents speak strongly of the advantages derived from logic, and the weighty judgment of the late John S. Mill powerfully corroborates their opinions. Accuracy of delineation is also spoken of, and owing to the extraordinary prevalence of mechanical aptitudes, I believe that the teaching of mechanical drawing and manipulation would be greatly prized. The interpretation that I put on the answers as a whole is as follows. To teach a few congenial and useful things very thoroughly, to encourage curiosity concerning as wide a range of subjects as possible, and not to overteach. As regards the precise subjects for rigorous instruction, the following seem to me in strict accordance with what would have best pleased those of the scientific men who have sent me returns. 1. Mathematics pushed as far as the capacity of the learner admits and its processes utilized as far as possible for interesting ends and practical application. 2. Logic, on the grounds already stated, but on those only. 3. Observation, theory and experiment, in at least one branch of science, some boys taking one branch and some another, to ensure a variety of interests in the school. 4. Accurate drawing of objects connected with a branch of science pursued. 5. Mechanical manipulation, for the reasons already given, and also because mechanical skill is occasionally of great use to nearly all scientific men in their investigations. These five subjects should be rigorously taught. They are anything but an excessive program, and there would remain plenty of time for that variety of work which is so highly prized as ready access to books, much reading of interesting literature, history and poetry, languages learnt, probably best during the vacations, in the easiest and swiftest manner with the sole object of enabling the learners to read ordinary books in them this seems sufficient because my returns show that men of science are not made by much teaching but rather by awakening their interests encouraging their pursuits when at home and leaving them to teach themselves continuously throughout life much teaching fills a youth with knowledge but tends prematurely to satiate his appetite for more I am surprised at the mediocre degrees which the leading scientific men who were at the universities have usually taken. 
always excepting the mathematicians being original they are naturally less receptive they prefer to fix of their own accord on certain subjects and seem adverse to learn what is put before them as a task their independence of spirit and coldness of disposition are not conductive to success in competition they doggedly go their own way and refuse to run races conclusion science has hitherto been at a disadvantage compared with other competing pursuits in enlisting the intention of the best intellects of the nation for reasons that are partially inherent and partially artificial to these i will briefly refer in conclusion with a special reference to the very important question as to how far the progress of events tends to counterbalance or remove them if we class energy intellect and the like under the general name of ability it follows that under circumstances being the same those able men who have vigour to spare for extra professional pursuits will be mainly governed in their choice of them by the instinctive tastes of their manhood the majority will address themselves to topics nearly connected with human interests a few will turn to science this tendency to abandon the colder attractions of science for those of political and social life must always be powerfully reinforced by the very general inclination of women to exert their influence in the latter direction again those who select some branch of science as a profession must do so in spite of the fact that it is more unremunerative than any other pursuit a great and salutary change has undoubtedly come over the feeling of the nation since the time when the present leading men of science were boys for education was at that time conducted in the interests of the clergy and was strongly opposed to science it crushed the inquiring spirit the love of observation the pursuit of inductive studies the habit of independent thought and it protected classics and mathematics by giving them the monopoly of all prizes for intellectual work such as scholarships fellowships church livings canonaries bishoprics and the rest this gigantic monopoly is yielding but obstinately and slowly and it is unlikely that the friends of science will be able for many years to come to relax their efforts in educational reform as regards the future provision for successful followers of science it is to be hoped that in addition to the many new openings in industrial pursuits the gradual but sure development of sanitary administration and statistical inquiry may in time afford the needed profession these and adequately paid professorships may as i sincerely hope they will even in our days give rise to the establishment of a sort of scientific priesthood throughout the kingdom whose high duties will have reference to the health and well-being of the nation in its broadest sense and whose emoluments and social position would be made commensurate with the importance and variety of their functions end of chapter four of english men of science